and we're going to start with verse number 14. Praise God. Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 14. The Bible says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, as seeing it is but the third hour of the day. <clears throat> but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that. Peter stood up in verse number 14, and he said, lifting up his voice, you men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, hearken to my words. And we're going to continue on talking about what it was that Peter preached that day. And we're going to unpack it and find out if it really still applies to us today. Amen. And just a little spoiler alert, it does. Um, and uh, in more ways than, than what we, we could tell. Amen. And so... We're going, to go the, we're going to ask the Lord to speak to us, amen. Let's go to the Lord and ask him to speak to our hearts through his word, and then we can, we can dig into this. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace and mercy. God, you are so good to me. God, I am so thankful for your blessings. I'm so thankful for your grace and mercy. God, that you have you bestowed upon me time and time again. Lord, I'm asking that you would anoint these the, the, these lips of mine, this mind of mine, that I would only say what you won't say today. God, I pray that you would help us this morning, this evening, Lord, that you would open our hearts to be receptive to your word. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us and that you would change us in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Can we worship him? Give him a hand clap of praise before we're seated here today. Lord, we love you. God, I praise you in this house tonight. Oh, I magnify you, Jesus. You are excellent and mighty in this place. Thank you for your goodness. Amen, amen. You can be seated tonight. Praise God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. All right. Hallelujah. The, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about, and I got down um, through the introduction of Peter's message that night, and... Uh, I am going to endeavor to wrap up what it was Peter had to say that day. And uh, here in, in that message, just to re real, do a real quick recap, we talked about how that he introduced his message by saying, hey, these men aren't drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen. He said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and... Amen. Samaritans and Gentiles were going to be saved is what he was prophesying here. He was not stating, amen, that in that day, in that very moment that he was preaching, Gentiles and Samaritans would be saved. But the, the prophecy that he referred to in Joel chapter 2 stated that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. That was to include everybody that was non-Jew. Amen. Thank God he, he's not just saving Jews today. Amen. But he's saving everybody in this world. Amen. He's opened the veil. He has allowed access to the glory, the holy of holies. Amen. Through the sacrifice that Jesus Christ 
spent upon the altar. Amen. And he said this, it shall come to pass that whoever, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved or delivered. Amen. And so I, I, wanted, I want to just rem, remind you that last week as we began to break this down, uh, yes, Peter said that if you call on the name of the Lord, uh, you can be saved. And that is exactly right. Amen. If you call upon him, you have faith in the name in, in the Lord and the soul-saving power of the Lord, you can be saved. But not faith in that alone can save you. Amen. But that faith that you have, amen, should cause you to, to go and to call on the name of the Lord in repentance. And then you would be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Amen. Now I want to make this very clear. Amen. You understand that if you take, and I don't have time tonight to do this, but I want you to consider this with me, that if you go and you unpack and you realize the gospel, how many of you know what the gospel is? What's the gospel, Brother Tuffy? Okay. What, what is, those are the gospels of, the, those are the, the depictions of who Jesus is. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians what the gospel was. Does anybody know what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians the gospel was? The gospel is the death. What's that? The good news about Jesus. But what did that involve? Yeah, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. There's three parts to the gospel, right? There is the death. Jesus died on the cross. Then he was buried in the ground. He was put into a tomb, right? He was put into the earth. And on the third day, he rose again. That is the death, the burial, resurrection. Well, does that mean we all have to go hang on a cross? Does that mean we all have to go crawl up in a tomb somewhere? Does that mean Jesus, that we're going to be raised up out of this tomb just like he was literally? No. So what is death? Repentance is death. It is the fact that we're, hey, we're going into, and, and this, is, this is just a high level uh, synopsis of what the gospel is. Amen. But, but repentance is the dying of oneself to one's will. All right, you come to an altar, amen, you've realized that the wages of sin is death and that you've got to be able to pay the price of sin, but you can't really pay that price, amen, without losing everything, right? Because if we really paid the price of sin physically, then we would all have to completely die. Well, I'm not here teaching commit suicide, all right? That, that's, another, that's another sin, all right? But what I am teaching is we need to repent. And what repentance is is saying we may not be dying physically, Brother Blue, but we have to put down the old, nasty, spiritual man that drove our desires, that drove what we longed on a regular basis to seek after those things that are unholy and those things that are unrighteous and those things that are contrary to God. And his nature. And so we come to an altar and we die on this altar. And we put ourselves upon this altar saying, Lord, here I am. 
I'm sorry for all the things that I've done. God, I, I don't want to do those things anymore. And I'm going to leave it here on the altar. And when I get up from here, I'm going home tonight never to pick those things up again. That's repentance. Repentance is the death. In fact, if you, and again, this is what I was going to allude to, but if you go into the Old Testament, you're going to find this thing, this pictured through the way that they had to do their daily ministration at the tabernacle. Does anybody know what the first thing that you get to when you come through the, the gate of the temple into the courtyard of the temple? What's the first thing that you come to? As soon as you walk in the eastern gate. What's that? No, it is a table of sorts. Anybody? No, we're not there yet. The first thing that we come to is just there on the north side as you walk in the eastern gate and you look up and there is a place of death. What happened on the place of death? where they made sacrifice. Does anybody know what it's called? The altar. That's the key. So if you want to be saved, the first thing you've got to have in your life is an altar where you're dying out to yourself. And the next thing, somebody else said it a few moments ago, the next thing, after you've gone through that bloody process, Consider with me. I'm dying. I had to kill this animal. I had to, I had to flay that thing open. I had, to, I had to get that thing all all ready to be sacrificed to the Lord in an acceptable manner. All right? I had to give this to the Lord. Now let me ask you something. Have you ever filleted a deer? Have you ever filleted a fish? Uh, have you ever done anything like, like that? Amen. If you have, you realize, hey, it's not a clean process. And you've got to do something after you've, you've done died and you've done went through that bloody process. The next thing you've got to go to is the brazen laver. What happened at the brazen laver? They had to wash all of the filth and the death that was upon them. They had to wash it all off. They had to get cleansed before they could step up the steps into the presence of the Lord. You with me today? So you had to die on the altar. You had to wash yourself from head to toe with the brazen labor before you could go in and experience the life-changing power of the presence of Jehovah. Today, it's very simple. Yes, we can call on the name of the Lord. We must call on the name of the Lord to be saved. But we're doing it. We're saying, God... I'm putting this on the altar. I'm putting my desires on the altar. God, I don't want that junk in my life. I know the things that you've exposed to me as sin. I don't want that stuff in my life because it's not pleasing to you. And so then once you've laid all that on the altar, now you have died out to yourself. And you have to go into the baptismal tank. And you've got to be immersed by water because we've got to bury that old dead man that was left on the altar. And then we receive the newness of life. Some of you would say, well, Pastor, well, I got the Holy Ghost before I got baptized. Well, that's okay. 
But can I put it this way? God gave you the Holy Ghost in trust that you're going to complete the process of salvation. Does that make sense today? You've got a dead carcass now in your life. You've got a dead, you, can I, I don't want to be too grotesque, but you've got a dead spiritual body that you've got to get, get taken care of. This is why it's important that we just don't sprinkle somebody. But the word baptize comes from the original, in the original, baptizo, which means to immerse. To immerse something, you have to completely put it under the water. They have to be submerged totally. Does that make sense today? And so it is important that we don't just repent of our sins. I... I I can't say it enough, but I, all I want to, I, I just want us to understand, it is important that we follow the process. It is more blessed to be obedient than to sacrifice, all right? The Lord wants you to understand what the process is so that you can follow it, amen. And so last week we finished on this port. On this portion of scripture, it's more than just saying, I believe on the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior, and then just get wet because this is an outward sign of an inward grace, my friends. It's more than that. It must be the application of the family name when you are when you are born again, when you come out of the water. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so Peter gave the answer. Amen. It's more than just calling, it's more than just believing, it's more than confessing. Amen. These things will not save you, although they are a part of the process. Amen. When folks ask me, well, preacher, you're trying to say me, tell me that all the things I've done throughout my life are for naught. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, hey, what if there's more that God wants in your life? All the things that you've done in the past, why don't you take those and say, Lord, let's build on what relationship I've already begun with you and let's take it to the next level. Amen. How many of you, if you knew that God has a ne another level in his, in his kingdom for you to go to, how many of you would want to go there? I know I sure do. I'm, I'm constantly asking, God, where else do you want to take me? What else do you want me to do in your kingdom? Amen. I'm not here to try to pat myself on the back. Amen. I'm not here to even say you have to be like me. But what I do want you to understand is God has more for us if we will just seek his face. It's really that simple. If you want more from God, if you're satisfied with where you are, my friend, I can promise you, you will become unsatisfied at some point down the road. And you will realize at that moment that, hey, I am not where I should be. And I need to find God in a deeper way. I need to go back and I've got to have what I used to have. But my friend, don't stop at where you used to be. Let's take it to the next level. Let's keep going deeper in the presence of God. Amen. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, the name of the Lord is called over you. Amen. The name of the Lord is called over you. That is something to rejoice in. Amen. And so that was essentially the message that Peter was preaching that day. And he got to preaching along. And he kept on going. And he got to what I'm going to call his appeal to the congregation that were there that day. As he began to preach to them, 
Amen. In Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 22, you men of Israel hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know. Amen. What we see here in verse number 22 is that Peter is saying, hey, you know that Jesus of Nazareth, uh, amen, this man was a man approved of God. Peter emphasized the humanity and the deity of Jesus here in this passage. Amen. I think that he learned this from Jesus himself. When Jesus said this in John chapter number 14 and verse 10, he said, Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Amen. He wanted his disciples, he wanted everyone that came along to understand I know that I am a man because I was born of a woman. Amen. I was born from Mary. But there is nothing that I can do unless God does it through me. He realized that just as though, even as much as he was God, he yet was still a man and relied upon the help of the Spirit that indwelt the man, Jesus Christ. Amen. We understand today that this was not two separate gods, but we understand that this was the Almighty God who had chosen a vessel. Amen. Let me say it this way. He created a vessel that he could abide in to become one of us so that he could seek and save those which were lost. Amen. How many of you realize it's not the will of God? For anybody to perish. You ever read that in your Bible? What did he say? Is his will though. It's not his will that any should perish. But that all should come to what? Repentance. Every one of us he looks for. And I believe it's that same passage. Maybe it's another one I'm, I'm, I'm putting two together. But he said, you know, at, there was a time that God winked at our ignorance. But now commandeth men everywhere to repent. We've got to repent. Amen. Repentance isn't something, Brother Donnie, that we do one time. It's something that we do every day. It should be something that we're asking God. God, cleanse me. God, purge my heart. I need you to wash over my heart and my mind and my soul. Amen. How many of you can say that every day of your life you have a good attitude? And you treat others just like Jesus would have treated them. I sure can't. Maybe you can. Props to you. But let me tell you something. There's times that I have to wake up in the morning and I'm saying, God, man, I was not good. I was not Christ-like yesterday and I'm sorry for that. And I need your help. And I need your strength to overcome that. And you know what I, I do my best to do is those that I wronged the day before, I'm going to go find them and I'm going to say, hey, you know, yesterday I, I, I snapped at you and I want to say I'm very, very sorry for that. And sometimes they'll just rub you off and, and just walk away. But most of the time when you do that, 
They look at you and say, man, not everybody does that. They leave it, they leave it alone and they keep on moving. Believe it or not, they, they actually treat them like that again down the road, and so there's no need to apologize. I don't know how many times I've apologized to my kids and my wife. Hey, I'm sorry. I was tired. I was frustrated. I was hangry. How many, how many of you have been hangry before? Um, just kidding. Maybe not. Amen. But at the end of the day, let me ask you this. Is it so important that you are right that you never apologize or make things right? I hope not. I hope not. Even if you never, in, even if you accidentally do it again down the road, you still need to be willing to say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm working on this. I'm trying to change this. Well, glory. Jesus, Jesus was one who, who taught us many things, and I don't have time to delve into all of that tonight. But another thing that the Apostle Peter said was that Jesus was a man approved of God among you. He said, this is how you know that he was approved of God among you. He said, God approved him through the miracles and wonders that he performed through him. And this was also what Jesus told the disciples of John when they came and asked him if he was the one that they were to be waiting for and looking for. John the Baptist was in prison, and he told his disciples, he said, I want you to go find that man that I baptized, this Jesus. I want you to go find him, and I want you to ask him, are you the one that John was preaching about? John already knew it. God revealed it to John when he baptized him. But I believe what was happening here was John was saying, hey, hey, men, I know you love me. I know that you love what I preach and that you abide by what I preach. But I need you to get a revelation of who Jesus is for yourself. That's why he sent them to John, I believe. It's in my opinion, all right? That correlates back to us today, right? You know, many, many people today... They get what you call, what I like to call preacher religion. Look, I'm not here. I hope to God that many of you aren't here just because you love me as your pastor or me as a preacher or whatever you may want to say. Thank God that you love me and I appreciate that. But let me tell you something. Don't let that love stop here because I'm not going to last forever. Amen. And if God moves me on somewhere else, God forbid he doesn't, but, but if God takes me out of this world, amen, and, and somebody else has to come into this church, I hope you're serving God because you love him for who he is and not because the preacher that is leading you. Amen. We've got to get beyond just things that we can touch and feel. Amen. But we've got to get deep into a relationship, Brother Blue, because I love God. And because I love what he's done in my life. And because I've watched him do it in other people's life. Not because I love that preacher. Amen. And that's what I believe the apostle John, uh, the, John the Baptist was doing to his disciples. He said, look boys, I'm not the one 
that you should be looking to for salvation. He is the one. And he pointed them back to Jesus. But he also understood this much. They wouldn't get it for themselves unless they got the revelation of who Jesus is. And it's the same thing that happens in our lives. If we don't understand who Jesus is, we don't understand the impact of what Jesus has done in our life, then we're going to only love God and love the things of God and love the church and love the preacher, amen, because we can see those things, but not just simply because we love him and because we know who he is, because he's given us revelation as to who he is, amen. We've got to understand that Jesus is the one who gave everything for you and me, amen. He's the only one that died upon a cross. He's the only one that took upon himself all of the sins of the earth, amen, from, from past to the present time that he was living in into the future, even beyond you and me today, amen. In Luke chapter number, all right, thanks, Siri, amen. Luke chapter number 17, the Bible says this, and John calling unto him, his disciples sent him them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way. And tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear and the dead are raised. To the poor the gospel is preached. Amen. Jesus said, I want you to, look, I want you to go back and I want you to tell John the Baptist what it is that you're seeing happen under my ministry. Amen. The reason that was important is because if we go back to Luke chapter number four, Jesus was referring to an Old Testament uh, prophecy that was taking place. Amen. Luke chapter number four, verse number 17. Amen. Jesus said, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Amen. And then verse, amen, number uh, 19, he said, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. In verse number 20, uh, two, he said, and he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. He simply sat down in the synagogue that day. Well, he went up, he stood, he read the scroll from Isaiah. And I, I always depicted it this way in my mind was he just went and sat back in the crowd somewhere and everybody's just in awe was looking at him. No, that's not how it worked, right? In the synagogue, what happened was 
the rabbi would go to the podium where the scroll was. He would read the scripture from the podium. When he finished reading the scripture, he would though then go and sit in the seat of the teacher or the rabbi that day. And from that point and from that, that place, the rabbi would begin to teach those that were in the synagogue that day. Does that make sense? And so Jesus said, okay, I'm going to read from you from the scripture and I'm going to sit here. I'm going to teach you what I, what I just read from. And in very simple terms, he said, look, today, what I just read in your ears, this prophecy is fulfilled in me. What did that prophecy involve? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to jump over to Isaiah chapter 61. This is the passage he read that day. Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Isaiah said, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all. That mourn. He told the disciples of John, he said, hey, go back and tell John what you're seeing happen when I go out there and minister to this people. They saw that he cured many of their infirmities and plagues. They saw that he was delivering them of evil spirits. He, they saw that he was setting, he was, he was giving sight to those that were blind that day. That was the confirmation of who Jesus was. Amen. Peter wanted them to understand that day, hey, Jesus was a man approved of God. And he dwelt among you. And, and the second thing that Peter pulled out that day was this. He said, Peter preached about the death of Jesus. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, says him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain him. Now, before I get down into the last part of this verse, I, I, I'm not going to be much longer, but I, I, want, I want to unpack just about what he said here in verse 23. Amen. The first thing that he stated was him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. So that tells me that he, I got the wrong verse up there, don't I? I apologize. Amen. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. We're going to stop right there because when, when I began to look at this, he's telling the people that were there that day, hey, God already knew what was going to happen to him in the flesh. He had foreknowledge of the death that Jesus had to die. I want to read this passage of scripture to you very quickly. I'll probably jump through some of it. Amen. But if you go to John chapter number one, the Bible tells me that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, before I go too far, I want to just simply help you understand the word that is interpreted word in this passage actually means a blueprint. Okay? You with me tonight? So 
the blueprint, so let me read it to you this way. In the beginning was the blueprint. The blueprint was with God. And the blueprint was God. What's another word that we use for blueprints? Plans. Another word that, this, that we could insert there. An architectural drawing, which includes all of the details from everything that has to be put into this house, right? Amen. And so when this house was built, when this building was built, I'm sure that there was more than just a, 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 a rectangular box drawn on a, on a piece of napkin, and, and then this thing just popped up out of that. I'm sure that they had to figure out, okay, where are, they're gonna, they diagrammed where are the, the wire, where's the wiring going to go, how are we going to run duct work in this place, so on and so forth. And all of that information is there. Now, what's so beautiful about that is all of the intricate plans of what God had in store for the people that he created was in the beginning with him. We, the church, the plan of salvation was not plan B. It was the plan from the beginning of time. And that plan was God. That's what it says right here. The word was God. The plan was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things that were made were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. And Then it goes in to talk about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now, this is where I was trying to get to. He was in the world. The world was made by him. And the world knew him not. Had no idea who he was. Now, there were a few that were striving to understand who is this Jesus. The next verse is even more bleak. He came to his own, and his own received him not. He came to the Jews. He was prophesied to the Jews, and yet they did not accept him. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word, or the plan, was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The plan, my friend, was from the beginning of time and it involved the death of this man, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm thankful that he followed the plan. Amen. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8 further solidifies what I'm talking about. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him 
whose names are not written in the book of the Lamb, uh, in the book of the life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. And Peter, after he said, hey, I want you to realize God already knew what was going to transpire with this man, Jesus Christ. And he didn't stop it because he had ordained these things to be. But he did it at your hands. And you, every one of you in, under the sound of my voice, he said that day, you're the ones that killed him. You hung him upon a cross. Peter called that crowd that day. He was preaching to a bunch of murderers, a bunch of people who hated somebody so much that they put him to death, antagonized by the high priest, antagonized by those they thought were faithful leaders. They crucified the one that could give them hope. And thank God he still extended his hope to them and us today Regardless of what we have done to him, regardless of how much we have put him on the back burner, amen, but yet he did not stay dead. Thank God he didn't stay dead, amen, but he rose again, amen. He went into the grave, amen. He stayed there for three days and he came back victorious over death, hell, and the grave, Amen. He was an awesome God. He is an awesome God. Amen. As I finish tonight, in just a few moments time, Peter preached about the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse 24. Amen. He said it this way. He said, whom God, amen, raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Amen. You got to understand. He he said, Hey, I, I know that you guys crucified him. I know that you were his murderers, but God raised that man, Jesus Christ, up out of the grave just because he knew that if he did not, you would not have hope today. Amen. The risen Lord that we serve. Amen. He is our Savior today. Amen. I want to read this same scripture to you in the NIV. It says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible. Everybody say it was impossible. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death could not keep the Lord of glory in the grave because he is the living one. He meant the one who created life could not be held by the bonds of death. He meant because he said it this way in Revelations 1 and 18, I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. So I'm here to tell you tonight, just as I'm closing this evening, amen, Sister Tor, you could come. Amen. No matter how powerful hell may seem in our lives, you need to take faith and hope in the fact that there is 
is nothing in this world more powerful than that spirit that has raised you up out of your sin. Amen. We have what we know as a comforter through the Holy Ghost that has all power in heaven and in earth because Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power in heaven is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Amen. I'm just here to submit to you tonight because of what Peter preached in Acts chapter number 2. We have hope today. Amen. We have the, the strength that we need in our lives. Amen. To overcome sin because of what Jesus did for us, amen, we just simply need to look unto Jesus. Hebrews 12 and 2 said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before us, before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to look to Jesus because he knows our end. I've said this, I think, in every service in the last month, it seems like. But he knows our end from our beginning. He knows where we're going to end up one day. Amen. And we need to look to him. We need to not try to figure things out on our own. But we need to continually go back to an altar like we talked about earlier. Amen. That altar needs to be in our life. Not just when we come to church. But it needs to be in our life on a daily basis basis. Amen. We need that altar in our life before every service. We need that altar in our life before every life changing decision that we go and make. We need to find a place and pray and say, God, here I am. Is this the direction you have in store for my life? Can we stand to our feet tonight? Amen. Can we talk to the Lord this evening? Can we ask him, Lord, help me, God, to remember to always look to you. Lord, help me, Jesus, to make sure that my life, Lord, is in your hands and that you're molding me and making me into what you need me to be. Lord, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for enduring the cross with joy. Thank you, Lord, for coming back again from the death. Lord God, offering me hope and help. Lord, you are so good to me. We love you, Jesus. Can we lift our hands and begin to love him tonight for his goodness? Oh, I love you, Jesus, and I praise your holy name in this house today. Oh, I magnify you in this place. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. You are so great and you are so greatly to be praised. I magnify you, Jesus. I magnify you, Jesus. You alone are excellent and mighty. You are holy and righteous, oh God. Thank you for your mercy tonight. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Savior. Oh, come on, let's call on the name of the Lord here tonight. He is our everything, Jesus. You are my all here today. I love you and I praise you with all that I have today, God. Ina varaye andala boria 
time can you sing it tonight in Jesus today. Amen. He has been so good to us. He has been so good to us. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can we love him one more time? Lift our hands and, and just let him know how much we appreciate his goodness. Oh, I love you, Jesus. <laughs> I magnify you, God. You are worthy to receive honor, Jesus. 
God, I don't deserve your grace, but thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God.